0: please remain standing for the reading of God's Word we're in John 15 it says this I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch to me that doesn't bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my fathers glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You guys take a seat. Just come on up. Uh, Lord, we just want to uh, pray for, just uh, this is time, uh, we thank you for Jason, thank you for uh, the the preparation he's put into this thank you for your word uh we pray lord that it uh we know that it comes when it comes out it does not come back void uh, and so continue to uh, use him and may we be able to apply uh this and may we uh, always stay in step with your spirit and we thank you for your love we thank you for your grace and we thank you for all
1: that you are in jesus name we pray amen amen thanks he. um just a quick uh to let you know something this will be a little different than normally Uh, This might feel more like much more teaching than preaching today, uh, just to give you a heads up. But as we look at that text and we look at Jesus' life, um, we look at the rhythms, the things he did, we see Jesus definitely in tune with Scripture. Um, That's a whole theological issue right there. But Jesus does things like he fasts, he rests, he's seen in large groups where Eric feels right at home. And we also see Jesus hanging out with just a handful of people, which I tend to love. And we also see Jesus going off by himself and being with nobody, which I really love, right? But Jesus also does stuff where he spends time in prayer, but he spends all night in prayer. Um, if anyone abided in the Father, it was Jesus, right? He was in tune. We never see Jesus in a hurry. Uh, you never see Jesus stressed. He's never rushed, Um But it definitely seems like at times the disciples are the opposite. They're a little frantic, they're fearful, they're rushing around. Jesus, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's loving, yet he's strong, he's insightful. And when we think about abiding in the vine, think about abiding with Jesus, it just makes sense if we look and see what Jesus did. Um, In fact, Jesus says, right, I and the Father are one. It doesn't get much more abiding than that, right? Jesus and the Father are one. And in the text we read, Jesus, uh, this text is from the night Jesus is arrested, right? This is like his last teaching, Uh, final words, parting words tend to carry some weight. So Jesus wants weight to be felt with this. Um, And that phrase, abide in me, he uses the word abide 10 times in those 11 verses. Uh, And that word abide could be um, translated as remain, dwell, continue, endure, um, but really, what does it mean? What does it look like? And I've often asked this question. Uh, I grew up in church, and I've seen, especially if you've spent any significant amount of time in church, uh, you've seen people who claim to be Christians look very differently. Anybody experience that? Right? Um, I've seen people who were like the most loving, joyful, just gracious, kind people who had been walking with Jesus for decades and it just appeared that they got that way because they had been abiding with Jesus, not for a couple days or a couple weeks, but decades of their life. They just exuded this, like, man, those people know Jesus. But then there's people I've seen who are the opposite of that, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative here, but, for example, there was a guy who uh, taught the adult Bible study at a church I was a part of, and his nickname was Big Nasty, um, Partly because he had a reputation for being just a nasty character. Um, He was just sour, mean, grumpy, had this bad attitude, unpleasant, not joyful. No one wanted to be around him. And yet, it wasn't because his lack of Bible knowledge. The guy taught the Bible. I mean, he taught it for decades. And yet, he was considered to be just a difficult guy and nobody wanted to be around him. Which, to me, just It bothers me. Can I just say that bothers me? Um, But he's not the only, right, Bible teacher, pastor, Christian leader we've seen, especially, I say, recently. Uh, There's been a number of pastors who have lost their jobs really because they were just mean people. Not some huge moral failure, but just because um, they were prideful and arrogant and kind of jerks, and they lost their job. Uh, I know Christianity Today, uh, there's a podcast going around. It's getting a lot of buzz about the rise and fall of a certain church or on a certain leader. And it wasn't because he didn't know the Bible. He actually knew the Bible very well. Um, I would say his teaching, his theology has been pretty impactful on my generation. And yet the question I keep asking is how do people who know the Bible, um, God uses in great ways, and yet they lack character, or as Jesus says here in John 15, they, there's not much fruit they produce. It just doesn't happen. Um, it's not for a lack of Bible knowledge, right? And over the years, we've read about Christian leaders falling for a number of reasons, but once again, not because they didn't know the Bible. They did know the Bible. Um, What should be evident is that Bible knowledge does not equal character, depth, or maturity. doesn't mean we need it. Hear me, I'm not saying we don't need the Bible. Do not hear me say that. That is not what I'm saying. Um, If we're going to grow and mature in Jesus, Bible knowledge helps. I would say it's essential. You can't get there without it. Um, But we need more. We need more than that. Um, We need to move, this this is my words here, we need to move from like a shallow Christianity to a deep, spirit-filled, fruit-producing, abiding discipleship in Jesus. And it's more than just, I heard a sermon or read the Bible. And this doesn't mean that we don't ever sin, right, because as we keep step with the Spirit, there will be times where we stumble a little bit, we fall. um, But what it does is we, we keep short accounts, We confess quickly, we're self-aware of our own sin, um, and we continue to grow in grace and godliness and bear fruit because we're abiding in the vine. And so even over this past year, I've I've said this before, we look at the whole COVID season, um, and COVID just happened to be one of many layers that showed a lot of what was going on in people's hearts. We had COVID, we had the political season, which was awesome. We had discussions on race mask mandates, people's isolation at home, what was kind of already there really started coming out. And so I don't necessarily those things caused that, but they exposed it. And I haven't talked to a pastor, um, not just here locally, but the pastors I know around the country who have not been almost a little shocked at what they saw. Um, many people who claim to be Christians sounded more like, you know, Fox or CNN than Jesus. And I think for many of us, we were abiding more in 24-hour news and Facebook than the Bible. And you could hear it, even the phrases people used. And now what's kind of happened is we've seen a lot of the image of Christians, which this hasn't changed, but it got heightened more, of not people who are joyful and gracious and kind and like, man, I love those people, but more judgmental, harsh, angry. So a little bit I want to focus on some of the solutions to that. And for many of us, a lack of spiritual disciplines and Constant news, scrolling, digital addiction, produced it in many of us, anger, short tempers. We grew judgmental, anxious, divisive, impatient, and none of that is the fruit of the Spirit. I feel like I'm coming across harsh today. That's not my intent. But I believe the answer is what has historically been called a rule of life. And just, just personally, why I need a rule of life before I jump into this is, like, I realize in my own life there are things that I know I should do. And I don't. So I've got young kids. I was just talking to Eric about this. I um, mean, the last time we get together, we can check in. And I'm like, I am shocked at how much, because my routines and rhythms have changed, and I feel like almost a stay-at-home dad now, that I thought I was a patient person. Guess what? I'm not. Right? And I can read a verse on becoming more patient, but unless the Spirit doesn't work in me, my kids are in trouble. Right? <laughs> um, the Spirit has to produce that in me. And so... Um, that's why we get a rule of life, and that term, right, rule of life, was popularized by, um, here's what I'm saying, more teaching today than probably normal preaching, but a rule of life was popularized by uh, St. Benedict when he started a monastery, probably back in the four or five hundreds, and the monastic movement was a reaction against what was perceived as shallow Christianity, politically and spiritually, culturally what you had was you had to sort of, the church was somewhat underground, From the state and all of a sudden they came together so you had the state and the church come together with constantine and there was a reaction against that to where people were like well this isn't really what christianity is supposed to look like and so the monastic movement i'm not calling us to be monastics but i'm giving some context the monastic movement was a uh, was a reaction to say okay how can we structure our lives in such a way that we're continuing to love god and love people and not be corrupted by the world and so benedict was trying to create some rhythms to keep in step with the spirit, or to abide, right? He's like, how do we abide? And that's what the attempt was. So he created a rule of life for monks. A little side note, if you ever seen the movie Fight Club, it was like a secular version of St. Benedict's rule of life. You know, you know, first rule, there's rules, right? That was from St. Benedict. So that was a pop culture side note. Another thing to understand is the word rule does not mean law in this sense. It's kind of an older word. Um, the word rule here, where we get the word ruler, Sets a measurement. Um, it's also a support structure. Rule also shows up in the word trellis. If You ever think of trellis when you think of a vineyard? Um, not a bunch of laws. Don't think of laws and rules and have to's. Think of a measurement and think of a trellis for a vine. You tracking with me? All right. How many of you have a garden? Anybody? A few of you, right? Um, we do, and we have a few items in our garden that would serve as rules. So, We have a few tomatoes with tomato cages right little cage that fits over the tomato Um, that would be considered a rule Uh, we also have uh, these three stakes that are tied at the top because we have these cucumbers that are really doing great by the way if you're interested cucumbers are doing awesome this year but uh, we also have a screen in the back for some beans to grow those are all rules for our plants to grow and thrive so why do we have them because if there isn't a trellis if there's not a cage if there's not, like, stakes or uh, screen for the plants, they're not going to grow up. They're going to kind of grow out, and they're going to be susceptible to squirrels, rabbits, and in our case, chickens. If our chickens get in our garden, it's all gone, right? So even our, our, uh, our rules in our garden, our fence, all that serves as protection for the flourishing of our plants. We're going to abide in the vine. I'm, I'm sticking with Jesus' metaphor here, okay? Um, also... These rules are the items allow the plants to grow upward to get more sun and produce more fruit. And that's what a rule of life should be for Christians, right? Support structures to protect us, give us direction. As a result of that, those rules are that rule of life, right? We produce more fruit. Uh, they're not meant to be laws. Hear me on this. It's not like if you don't have a rule of life, you're in sin. They're not meant to be rules and laws, but best practices to shape our life by and around. Let me repeat that. Right? They're not meant to be laws, but best practices. Best practices to shape our spiritual life by and around to abide in Jesus. So listen to how other people have defined a rule of life. Andy Crouch defines it this way. He calls it a set of practices to guard our habits and guide our lives. Um, Stephen Mackie said this: a holistic description of the Spirit empowered rhythms and relationships that create, redeem, sustain. And transform. So, what's interesting about Machia's definition here, he's saying holistic, right? All of your life, right? No no difference between secular and sacred, all of it together, right? Spirit empowered rhythms uh, create, redeem, sustain, transform. Um, John Mark Comer, who I got a lot of this sermon from, just so you know, a lot of it comes from him, he describes it as this a schedule and set of practices and relational rhythms that create space for us to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus. And to do what he would do if he were us. I like that definition as well. Here, here's what I would call it. It's a way to intentionally create space and rhythms to abide in and with Jesus. It should have Jason Wilson right there, right? So why why a rule of life? And by the way, we're launching a rule of life series. If you haven't noticed, this is not Summer of Psalms anymore, right? And so Eric's going to preach on some, as we start putting items in our rule of life, that's what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. So we all have a rule of life. Whether we know it or not, we do, Um, but we want to be intentional with it, all right? So right now, the way we live our lives might not be intentional, but we do have a rule of life that is shaping us into the person we are, okay? Like, our decisions kind of inform who we become. So a good question to ask is, is your current rule of life, right, the way you've structured your life, uh, the rhythms, the spaces you're creating, the things you're saying yes to, the things you're saying no to... Are they going to create the person you want to be in the future? Right, so your decisions now and the way you live your life now is going to impact who you are tomorrow. Um, are you structuring your life to be joyful, life-giving, a loving follower of Jesus in decades to come? Or are we structuring our life in such a way that we're running at such a pace and it's so crazy that we're going to become the cranky Bible teacher that knows the Bible well, but we lack humility, joy, and compassion? Tracking with me? That's the goal of today. So, what about the rhythms, patterns, values you don't even think about? We have those. So, for example, when you first wake up, how long before you drink coffee? Coffee drinkers. For me, that I, I could tell you, that's like I'm going right away for that. How long before you look at your phone? Do you look at your phone before you get out of bed or in bed? Right? How many of you honestly look at your bed or your phone before you even get out of bed? Just Eric? A few of us, right? That's a rule of life. That's shaping us whether we know it or not. Um, Do you binge watch TV at night and go to bed whenever, or do you have a set time to go to bed, right? These are things that a rule of life starts to create. When do you do that? What time does your family eat dinner together? How often and how long do you scroll on social media, right? Um, What's the plan, and do you have one? That's what we're trying to address over the next couple weeks. Uh, Here's a quote that haunts me a lot. It's from Annie Dillard, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner. She says this. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Messed up on that. But let me be honest with you. The reason why this haunts me is I am easily, easily distracted. Ask Eric, if if we're having a meeting with people, I am the guy that derails us 90% of the time. Because a thought comes in my head, and I'm like, squirrel, let's talk about this. Um, And Eric's like, we need to keep it on track. Uh, Without a rule of life, my life can fall apart. Um constant distraction. Uh, my, my concern, my fear is too strong of a word, but as I think about the decisions I'm making today for the person I'm going to be tomorrow, my concern is that my days or evenings could be spent in mindless scrolling, right, um, and that, or that I would look at, you know, sitcoms, And then over the, if I look at the decades of my life, I think, so, if I look at this quote, how I spend my days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Do I want to look back at my life and think, wow, for decades, I scrolled on a phone when my kids were young, right, my wife was there, but instead what I did was, what my life was, was not investing in these young kids in front of me, cultivating a deeper love for Jesus and his people, uh, cultivating a relationship with my wife, but instead... I spent hours scrolling or watching Netflix. Um, That I used my time on things that mattered instead of like things of beauty, things of thoughtfulness, depth. That if I look back, when I'm God willing, I live to my 70s or 80s and I think, what did I spend the bulk of my time on? It would be sad if it was social media scrolling, trivial moments, cheap laughs, easy comfort. What a rule of life does for us is it helps us chase value, chase depth, meaning, and growth instead of trivial things. So in 10 years, do I love Jesus and people more as a result of how I'm structuring my life now? So another reason for a rule of life is because we want to move from wishing to planning. Um, I can't pronounce that guy's last name, but a goal without a plan is just a wish. You guys heard that probably before, but I want to abide in the vine. That, that's, my, that's, probably my, that's probably all of our deepest desires. We want to abide in the vine. We want to keep in step with the Spirit, as Paul says it in Galatians. But without a plan, it probably won't happen. So if you want to get in shape, you have to make a plan, right? If you want to get healthier, you have to make a plan. If you want to retire, you need to make a plan. If you want to get a degree, right? There's certain things you've got to go through to get that degree. If someone were to ask us, hey, what's your plan for growing in holiness and godliness? What's our answer to that? Do we have a plan? Um, we need to have a plan because without a plan, it's just wishful thinking. Paul says in Ephesians five fifteen and 16, he says this, Look carefully then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That's Paul, right, saying, look, look, carefully how you live your life. Make the best use of the time. That does not mean work all the time, but it means be intentional with it. We need a rule of life because we don't just want to wish to grow closer to Jesus. We don't just want to hope that we abide in the vine. We actually want to structure our life in such a way that we're like, all right, this is what I'm doing to grow closer to Jesus, to abide. In accordance with his will and the Spirit's empowerment, just to be clear, we can't make it happen, but we can put ourselves in places where we're Vulnerable to the spirit and say, all right, Jesus, do your thing. Um, So what's in a rule of life? First, I would say all aspects of life are in this. But one way to look at a rule of life is to call it like a spiritual budget. Like budgets. Some of you probably like budgets. Um, Look at it that way. We want to be intentional with all aspects of our life. So my hope would be that in all of our rules of life, we would definitely have space for silence and stillness. There's a place for scripture, prayer, prayer fasting, like community and relationship. Community and relationship, I mean, we're practicing that right now, right? We probably, we wouldn't say it this way, but we do have a rule of life that on Sundays, we gather with God's people. If you're in a city group, part of your weekly rhythms is you scatter with your city group. And so that's part of that um, being intentional, saying, all right, for me to flourish, to abide in Jesus, I need to meet with God's people on Sunday, you know, worship him, Fellowship with fellow believers, hang out with him. Sorry, Eric. Um, right? Hear the word, preach, receive communion. That's, that cultivates me spiritually. That's why we're here. Also, in our city groups, because we need each other. That's part of our rule of life and rest. And so, we're going to cover some of these over the next couple weeks. Um, about how we start structuring this to be intentional to abide in Jesus. So, best practices for a rule of life is this first, start slowly. And by the way, I'll send out uh, in our email, if you guys get the email, I'll send out a link to a rule of life worksheet that I took from another church. I thought it was really good. I couldn't improve on it, so I'm just copying it. All right? And it's on public domain, so I'm I'm sure it'll be fine. But the first is to take a look at what your current rule of life is and plan accordingly. So know where you are spiritually. And the caution is, don't treat this like a New Year's resolution because no one keeps those. Um, we're not trying to do everything at once. Find out what you're currently doing, what you're not doing, think of where you wanna go, and slowly, maybe each week, or month, or season, begin to tweak that, modify it, all right? But don't expect that next Sunday, when you show up, you do a rule of life, say tomorrow, and you're almost like Jesus. Right? probably won't happen that fast. Um, so some examples of that, like if you never, ever fast, if you've never fasted, don't plan a three-day fast this week. That's a bad idea. Um, if you say you don't read the Bible often, don't plan on like, I'm going to read 10 chapters a day. That, that's a bad idea. Um, start maybe with just reading a psalm every morning. Or if you've never fasted, maybe start with, I'm going to fast one meal a week. Just I'm going I'm to fast breakfast. I'm going to fast lunch. Just one, start slow. Don't dogpile it. Um, If you haven't had a lot of success in prayer, maybe you haven't just been consistent in that, don't think, well, I'm going to start praying an hour a day. Um, Probably two minutes a day would be much easier. And fruitful and successful, right? You catch what I'm saying? Start slow. Next, be specific. Um, What this means is that you you wouldn't want to say, well, I'm just – my rule of life is to be more patient. That's so vague, that's not gonna be helpful. Instead, maybe say, you know, I'm just gonna sit before Jesus. I'm gonna set a timer on my phone for one minute. I'm just gonna sit and be with him for one minute. I'm gonna do that every day. That's much easier than, or uh, uh, it's, you can measure that better than, I'm growing in patience. Or, I wanna read my Bible more. Way too vague. So, be specific. I wanna read like two chapters A, or I'm gonna start this reading plan. Or I'm going to do this. you catching what I'm saying so be specific so you can measure it. Um, being more patient is really hard to measure. Um, next, subtraction, not addition. This might feel counterintuitive, but if you've heard me this morning and thought I was asking you to add more to your life, I'm actually asking you to do the opposite. It's not fill out every, you know, empty space in your calendar. That's not the case. This is... Asking you to do less mindlessness, more intentionality, more rest. Um, That's what a a good rule of life will do. And as you continue on this journey, um, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, Next, keep your season of life and stage of following Jesus into account. If you're a mom of young kids, it's going to look different than if you're an empty nester. Or if you're a married couple without kids. Or whether you're single All of us are in different seasons of life, and so none of our rule of life will look the same. Um, I know for for us, when Sarah started working, that threw our kind of rhythms off. Oh, I should say working outside the home, right? That totally changed our, like, we had to restructure, and we're still trying to restructure. Also, somebody who's been following Jesus for decades, it's going to look different than someone who's just kind of starting out in their faith. Those will look totally different. And so... Um, keep in mind your season of life and your stage of following Jesus. Next, your personality. Um, introverts and extroverts are going to have different rules of life, and that's okay. Uh, if you've been around here for long enough, you know that Eric and I are very different. Um, Eric is extroverted. I'm introverted. You probably know that. Uh, my rule of life will look different than his. Um, mine is going to be probably much more quiet. Um, It's going to have more silence and solitude. It's probably going to have more reading. Erica is going to be more communal, more partying, more energetic. And that's okay because God made us different. Praise God. Um, In God's wisdom, he made us differently. And so that means that we need to have some balance in our rule of life, which is the next point. Keep a balance of downstream and upstream. And what an upstream practice versus a downstream practice. Like upstream is difficult for you to do. Downstream practices are disciplines that come pretty natural for you. Does that make sense? So, and that's gonna probably go into some wiring, introversion, extroversion stuff. So for me, reading the Bible, books, downstream practice, didn't even know those were disciplines. I just like doing them. Um, And uh, I enjoy reading in general and I love the Bible, but as an introvert, community can be a challenge for me. And let me say this, I love people, that doesn't mean I don't like people, right? For all the introverts, I'm speaking for you, right? We get that all the time. You guys don't like people. We do. It just requires a little more effort. Um, But I know that if I'm going to be the person God wants me to be, if I'm going to abide in the vine, if I'm going to grow in my love of Jesus and his church, I have to be around people. I have to. So I go to the city group. I need that weekly, I need it for my spiritual development. And I will say this. I know members of my city group are in here. There's many times where I don't feel like going to city group, but I'm always glad I went. Um, I'm always glad I went, but I don't always feel like going because it's like, all right, introvert, get ready. You know, but I go, Jesus meets me there and just having a meal with people and I, it's good for my soul. Um, whereas for Eric, you know, being with people doesn't even feel like a discipline, right? He's with people 24-7 if he could be, right? But for him, he would need to be intentional and deliberate maybe with, Things like reading or sitting in silence and stillness before Jesus, not that he doesn't do those things, he does. But the point is, find out what's easy for you, right, and how you're wired. Some of those are just going to be like, oh, this is awesome, I could do this all day. And other things are going to be like, this is going to be a challenge for me. But do a lot, hear me, do a lot of easy downstream practices and do a handful of difficult ones as you slowly, slowly build up a rule of life. Next, uh, make your rule holistic, Right, for all of your life. Uh, This means that we just don't have a rule of life that is spiritual stuff. So for me as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, like I need and I haven't done this well yet, but I need to develop some rules not just around, all right, so this is what, you know, my morning Bible prayer time looks like. Um, This is what it looks like for me to pray. But I also need some sort of trellis, some structure about, so how do I pour into my kids? How do I pour into my wife? How do I um, use my phone, okay? Just a side note, um, there have been numerous discussions in kind of ancient philosophy that would talk about how attention is a form of worship. And so um, if we think about our phones, right, that's an issue. So how we use our phone would be in our rule of life. When I watch Netflix, when I date my wife, how I care for my health, what I do for fun. So for me, fishing and hunting is in my rule of life. Because when I got in the woods or I'm on a lake, it's good for my soul. And so I need to structure that in my life. So for me, being on a boat, catching a bass is a deeply spiritual event. And God approves of it, right? It's part of my life. Uh, We want our rules to slowly develop and include all areas of our lives. Um, Whatever I add to this rule of life, my goal is to move us closer to Jesus. So if you set this up, say, is this moving me closer to Jesus? Yes or no? Finally, um, your rule will change. Like, it will change. A rule of life is not a set-in-stone document. It is not the Constitution. It is not. All right? We may add some things and go, you know what? That didn't work for me, and I'm taking it out. Uh, Try something different. So like I said, when Sarah started working, it changed our rule of life, and we're still trying to figure it out. We're still tweaking it. When your job changes, when your kids go back to school, when your marital status changes, if you graduate, get a different job. Like, life changes. And so when that happens, you just have to revisit it and say, all right, how am I going to structure my life in a way that I'm abiding with Jesus, growing in love for him and his people? And ask the question, is this working or not? If it's not working, don't do it. Um, And then finally, the gospel. We want to keep the gospel in mind as we craft and live our role of life. Here's why that's important. Um, We live our lives to and for Jesus not, not, not to earn his love and favor, but from a place of his love and favor, right? Um, A rule of life is meant for us to experience more freedom. Uh, That freedom is found in the gospel. The rule of life is is an expression of that. Christ has set us free, so let's live like it. Um, And that's what we're trying to do with the rule of life. We're we're trying to take up our cross and follow him, not to earn our salvation, but to actually experience more of it. It's just like, here's what I want us to be, With a rule of life, I want us to be people who are loving, right, caring, kind, present, right. Not like you're trying to talk to somebody and they can't look at you; just looking at their phone, right? Not addicted, sober-minded people who live lives of intentionality, of joy, of holiness, of godliness, um, to the glory of God and to the good of our people and our us, right? I want us to be people who walk with Jesus intentionally. For decades, and at the end of our lives, we look more like him than we did when we started. It would be a shame if we made a profession of faith, confessed our sins, started following Jesus in our 20s, and we did not grow in godliness, holiness, joy, love, kindness for decades. Right? We don't want to be those people. Um, Jesus still loves those people. We don't want to do that. Right? So let's not just wish to become more like Jesus... Let's actually put some intentionality around it with a rule of life, doing the things he did, living with focus and commitment to Jesus. Amen? So in the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about, I think, prayer, scripture. Um, I think Eric's talking about the body. Um, Just different aspects of how we begin to craft this. One of our values is up. So we talk about down, up, in, out. Up is becoming more like Jesus. And so we're going to continue to craft this. What's that look like, not just for us as individuals, as city groups, as a church, to actually throw some spiritual disciplines, some some parameters, put some support so we can flourish and grow and become more like Jesus. Amen? That's the goal. Not to do more and become legalistic, but to actually set some structure, some rhythm, some space that we can taste God's goodness and live it out. So, let me pray. Jesus, we love you so much. And I pray that we would be people that actually craft and shape and plan our lives in such a way that we make you a priority. And thank you that we don't have to um, try hard and be super disciplined to prove that we're your disciples. That's not what we're after. We have your love. We have your joy. And I pray that we would live out of that space. So I pray that you would give us all wisdom, discernment, insight as we begin to craft the rule of life, as we begin to think about that, as we discuss that in our city groups um show us how to structure our lives in ways that we get the most joy and satisfaction in you in your name we pray amen um, so at this time we're going to um, transition into communion so if you wouldn't mind just